0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome back to another episode of our midweek mailbag podcast where we're live here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, answering your Detroit Lions questions, Uh, myself, Jeremy Reisman, the producer over Pride of Detroit at Detroit online on Twitter. And of course, my co-host for the midweek mailbag, the machine, the managing editor, the at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Eric, buddy, we've made it. I mean, we're. I guess we've almost made it. There's there's what, four days, five days until training camp yeah. opens and we finally get to see something that resembles football. How excited you are you on a scale of nine point nine to ten?
0: Uh nine point nine nine, I oh. think.
1: Okay, so still, uh, so, so still a couple <laughs> days to get that extra hundredth.
0: Here's the deal. I have a to-do list that uh I'm trying to accomplish before <laughs> training camp. So that that little point zero one is the uh, the panic in me, trying to get everything done that I need to get done so that when we get to Allen Park, we're just focused and dialed in and ready to go.
1: Yes. And that's what we are on this podcast. We never, we're always focused. We never stray from a topic. We are giving you 100% unfiltered Detroit Lions content and that this, this episode will be no different. Uh, Obviously, I think there's going to be a little bit more of a focus on training camp and things like that. But as always, we welcome your questions either live here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, or you can tweet at us at Detroit. At pride of Detroit, uh, always helpful if you use the hashtag ask POD, but let's get to it. Let's get to our first question here. First one comes from Mink at Mink 0029 says contracts have been a major talking point this offseason, and we always get the news carousel of how players are disgruntled about their salary. We, we saw that from Zach Martin today. I believe a Cowboys guard thinking about holding out in training camp says, do you think that eventually the Lions will have to deal with this problem with certain blue chip talent down the road when success is the norm. Here, yeah, I think it's inevitable. Um,
0: when you have good players, that they they uh they want to be compensated accordingly. And as good as you know the attitudes are amongst the, the current line players, uh, I think they all recognize that it's a business and that they have to maximize their dollars uh, in the limited time that they have in the league. And so I'm fine with the players, you know, who think they need more money. Um, and if they want, if they, if they think it's justified and, and they want to stand up for themselves, that that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Um, it gets a little tricky because each situation is individual, right? right? So you can't like blanket statement it, but yeah, I think that's, that's an inevitable outcome.
1: Right. Yeah. I think you're right there. And, this is why I, I mentioned this. I think a couple times on on a podcast or two is I I don't want to say Brad Holmes has done the easy part so far, but he's only done I guess part of his job. the The real tricky part is it. Again, I don't I don't want to say one part's more difficult than the other, but there's a difference between building a roster from nothing, and and then maintaining that roster, maintaining a solid roster, and and part of it just means maintaining what you do. You have to continually draft well. There isn't it, there isn't there doesn't become a point where it's like drafting is no longer important. You have to continue to do that. You have to continue to hit on guys in a yearly fashion. But the other part is maintaining those salaries and keeping the guys that are good around. And that's not something he's really had to do so far. He, he's handed out some big contracts here and there for retaining players. Tracy Walker is one of them. Um they, they obviously handed guys like Charles Harrison and 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 companies some big deals, but they haven't really done it yet with the homegrown talent. They haven't done it yet with Panay Sewell. With Amon Ross St. Brown. And those contracts are just around the corner. And so being Mm -hmm. able to manage those guys' contracts, which are going to be massive, especially, you know, when you consider their position and positional value and all that sort of stuff, they're going to be massive. So how do you retain those, you know, borderline superstar talents while continuing to build the the bottom of the, the roster? It's kind of a different aspect of his job that we we can't really analyze how good he is at it yet. But inevitably, there there are going to be some of these contractual disputes. You hope it doesn't go public. You hope it doesn't get ugly. You hope it doesn't bring in the drama of players erasing you know, their, their social media and deleting all the pictures <laughs> of them in Lions jerseys and things like that. But you never know. Like it, it's the, the thing with it, with that sort of stuff is it's common drama now. Right. It's every team deals with it. It's not. You know, a lot of us like to think of the Slides organization as, as treating their player rights and putting the players first. And 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 a lot of that is true. But a lot of organizations that are like that still deal with contractual negotiations mm-hmm. because that's the name of the game. That's how it is. And and sometimes players are going to take it personal and that's their prerogative. And, and they're right and uh, completely understandable why they would do that. And. It, it sucks that, that fans kind of get dragged through the mud of some of the ugliness of this, especially when it goes public. Um, I think maybe that's that's where the lines might be OK, is that a lot of times a lot of this stuff stays behind closed doors. I think that's the sort of thing that they they try to maintain. It's like, let's not bring this out into the public. Let's not get the media involved. Let's try to sure. close doors mm-hmm. things. But inevitably, there are going to be some players where they, they go public with their displeasure in, in contract negotiations. and And that's fine.
0: I feel like we're um, two evolutions away from that being at that point, because right now, right now they're in that evolution of uh, roster building where they're the guys that were making the team because of just special teams are now getting squeezed out. And then the next, the next evolution will be, okay, now we have to release guys uh, that are good players, or maybe not re-sign them when they hit free agency, even though they're good players, but because we don't have the cap room, because we're right. investing another. In that's the next. That's the, the phase after this, and then and then the phase after that is when it starts being like, I want more money. Like, I, so they're they're evolving towards that, and winning progresses you through them, you know, at a faster pace. But it's it's neat to see how how the roster is building in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and each each one of those faces, each one of those phases, gives your general manager kind of a new problem, and and correct, yep. yeah, it's it's a new part of the job, and and we'll see how Brad Holmes does. He certainly has been surrounded by this sort of stuff for for decades upon decades. So it's not like any of it's going to be a surprise to him.
0: Right, uh, like we saw we saw him adjust. Um... This last draft, this off sure. was like um, an adjustment mid season. I mean, I we haven't physically seen it because inside the den still isn't out, but we <laughs> we we witnessed it from afar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Had to get that in, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> uh, Emmy award winning one pride Emmy awards. Yes. yes. Relax. Uh, we're not. We're not trying to. Come at you, right?
0: <laughs> no, no. We I, spoke
1: I, very Eric, highly. Eric, mm-hmm. remember yeah. they have footage that you don't want out there. Mm. So be careful. A thousand percent. Oh, yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. They've got me in 4K. And and, uh, oh, yeah, no. Okay, (laughs) Emmy Award winning Inside the Den will be the greatest thing I've ever watched. I'm excited.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, let's move to our next question here. Uh, Mike Stagerda, Stegar, sorry if I pronounce it wrong, at SparkTheUSA on Twitter says, you mentioned on the last pod, and this is me, not you, Eric, so uh, you don't have to necessarily agree with this, but I said uh, the Tracy Walker has a lot to prove in training camp and this year. Uh, does Brian Branch have the potential to be a better player? And how soon does he have to, how, how soon does he become one of the starting five in the defensive backfield?
0: Um, yeah, I'm not as I'm not as sold on Tracy needing to prove anything, because I think coming off an ACL or his Achilles, I mean, yeah. um, I think there's going to be a, a, like a cushion that's that's afforded to him. Um, I know he has a big contract and that's what you're you're that's what's looming uh, in your mind down, yeah. down the road. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm not as concerned about that. Um, because of leadership and other things that Tracy brings to the to the table. Now, as far as Branch, um, the article I wrote today uh, for Roster battles talking about the hybrid players, um, I think Branch is going to be a guy who is seems like is destined for that nickel spot. Yeah. And if he translates to safety, it's going to be. You know, uh, limited right now. Maybe it can expand, but he's kind of limited. He's more like a box safety, uh, but primarily a nickel. And so, I don't think it's like a one for one type of replacement. There's some overlap in what they do, but if Branch is going to be like a starter, it's probably going to be because Gardner Johnson leaves in free agency, and and that's his that's probably his path. I don't think it uh, a Tracy making staying on the roster or leaving the roster will overall affect branch's
1: path to uh to a starting job just yeah yet. i think i think i agree with you 100 completely with branch um you're still going to see a, a decent amount of him this year even with cjgj on the roster um like you said in may, maybe in that dime situation rather than than in, in a nickel in, in year one um but you know th- that the good thing about cjgj is that he is very versatile we know he can drop back to safety so if they're if, you know, if there are some injuries that either hit the safety position or the corner position, maybe that moves CJGJ around and maybe that moves Brian Branch into the starting lineup, into that starting five. Sure. Um, So, like, I, I think I think you're going to have to be patient with a guy like like Brian Branch this year, although I said very much the, the same thing about Kirby Joseph last year. And look what look what happened in his rookie. season. <laughs> well, that, but
0: injury, like, it was injury again, yes. right? Like that injury opened the door. Yep, And so. An injury is the quickest path. You're absolutely yeah. right. And um, but if you're talking like long term stability, it's probably Gardner Johnson moving. But what I mean, like I, I, I'm excited to see them both on the field because I, I yeah. think you agree that there, there's room
1: for both. Hundred percent. Um, but but kind of going back to Tracy a little bit, I think this does kind of point to a, a, a longer term problem, which is, do the Lions have their starting safeties figured out for the next four or five years? And obviously. Y- You're pretty sure Kirby is one of those guys, but Tracy hasn't hasn't really put together a full season that I think we're all think he's he's capable of, and it would be tough to ask him to do it this year, coming off such a serious injury, and then he's costing over twelve million next year. And so, um, I do think this is an important year for for Tracy. Although, yeah, I agree with you that the the Lions coaching staff is going to understand like it'd be it'd be unrealistic to to expect him to you know week one be playing his best football. Given that he's barely played any football in the past two calendar years at this point, so I don't know. It's it's just kind of an interesting situation to to think about because I don't know you for when Tracy Walker signed that deal last off season. The the thought was that position had has now been locked down for the future, and now I think it's fair to question whether that's true. I'll I'll let you have that one. I'm like okay. I just I see it differently. I I I, I, I mean I want I want you to, I, I want to give you the opportunity Tracy no, Walker a do do.
0: I I I understand that perspective. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I just think with this staff that they put these extracurricular responsibilities on guys, uh, leadership roles, etc. Yeah. Right? Sure. And and I think Tracy is one of these guys that they're hoping to be a pillar that they can build a route and they want, look, Kirby's going to be a good leader and he's going to be fun, but they're, he's a completely different style of guy yep. than Tracy. Right. And so um, Kirby is very fun and, 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 and loving. And like he, he hypes people up and he's encouraging Tracy will tell you when you're wrong though. Like, and he's, he's earned that, yep. I, that right to be able to do that. And he will yep. tell you, he won't just, it's not just the defensive backs. He'll tell the, the linebackers, if they're lined up wrong, he'll tell the defensive. And so, yep. There's a there's just like a maturity or a a different layer, I think, that goes into his leadership that would be hard to replace unless you see some of the younger guys take steps. And that might not happen in one year. That might it might take a couple. So I'm
1: I'm not as quick to pull the rug on on Tracy just yet. That's fair. And that also leads quite nicely into our next question. I don't know if you did that purposely or not, but Oaxaca lions fans at lion fan Oaxaca asks, we know that Dan Campbell wants the lions to be a player led team. Who are the emerging leaders and what do they bring to the table? So obviously I would agree with you. Tracy Walker is one of those players. And the reason yeah. why I agree with you is Dan Campbell literally pulled him aside after he signed <laughs> his contract said, this is your team. Now mm-hmm. it's up to you. And so, yeah. And, and I mean, You anyone who comes out to training camp is going to see this too, right? You're going to see Tracy Walker pull guys aside. You're going to see Tracy Walker be one of the, one of the loudest guys on the field, telling everyone what they need to be doing very much in a way that we, we talk about CJ Gardner Johnson bringing to the team or Cameron Sutton as well. He's one of those guys. And I think you can also throw Cameron Sutton, I think into that group. He's not going to be the loud vocal type, but I was listening to, to some interviews of Hendon hooker this week, who's doing the sec media roundabouts and his name kept coming up. Uh, Cause yeah, obviously there's, there's a 10 Tennessee, Tennessee connection. connection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one of, one of the guys and one of the panelists, and I, I don't know what his name was, but he, he also went to Tennessee and he's like, he, he was telling Hendon hooker, like go side by like connect yourself to Cameron Sutton, because that is the, that guy has future coach written all over him. Mm-hmm. That guy knows what he's talking about. That is a guy that if you, you know, lock hips with, you are going to learn so much about this football game. And so I think, I think that's kind of where it, we're seeing the progression i guess in the secondary i was going to say the overall defense but i think there are other leaders on the defense that that probably deserve to get thrown in this category too and so i'll uh, i'll let you go off on that
0: yeah and i think there's different types
1: of leadership right sure.
0: um if you're talking about like getting players lined up and 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 having them understand their assignments Anzalone and Walker are your primary two guys for that. And like, they could both be end up being like captains because of that. I fully expect Anzalone to be a captain again. But then like Sutton is one of the most intelligent players that they're going to have on that defense. And so he's going to be a guy that they're going to lean on, you know, in in a different sort of way. And then Gardner Johnson is, he's talked about taking on a leadership role and he could get a captain role because he is the high energy you know, exciting guy. Like, so if I had to make a guess, which two players I would guess it would be Gardner Johnson and Anzalone, even though a lot of the stuff that Anzalone does, like at the linebacker level with like lining people up, that's what Tracy does at the secondary level. He like, they have, because of this, the split zone that they run, they have to have two leaders uh, at at two, at the two different levels in order to make that happen. So then like on offense, it's totally different. Like it's, it has a totally different feel to it. It's almost like a, a whole different team. Right. Um, a lot more, uh, a lot more just like, we know who we are, we know what we're doing. Um, and so like golf is, is the leader, uh, by proxy of the position and yeah. just the, what his responsibilities. And then, and then, uh, Frank is, is, is the other guy who's not quite, you know, he's again, kind of a quiet leader, but, Goff and, and and Frank are the guys that are making the uh adjustments. Though they're they're calling the line shifts, they're they're calling audibles between the two. Like, and so those two guys lead from that perspective. But again, if you want to talk about the rah-rah, that's more like Saint Brown and like Panay Sewell, right? Yep. And so, like, um, but I fully expect my guess, if I had to guess for captains, would be gardner Johnson and Jared Goff, Frank Rag now. And then a special teamer. I don't know. Could it be yeah. Jack Fox? I Gene mean, like, well, if he makes the team, yeah. I mean, maybe, right? He was their captain Yeah. in 2021. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the uh the special team's captain because I'm not sold on exactly what it is, but I don't know if yeah, I call it uh,
1: interesting, but it's unknown, well, certainly. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I could go as far to say fascinating, but I won't because I have my
1: audience. <laughs> uh, I I got one more name to throw out there go at ahead. you, and it's um it's Alim McNeil. Um, we've we okay. talked about Aleem a ton this offseason, yeah. and he's a guy that that wanted to take that role. And let me pull this quote from Dan Campbell himself. He says, "Because I I actually asked Dan Campbell because I'm like, okay, you you don't oh. have." I have to throw it in. question. If you
0: didn't, if you didn't say that, I would have like, I was already, I already knew where you were going yeah, So yeah. in my head. I'm like, okay, <laughs> make sure that you say, oh, that was a good question. I wonder who asked it. Like, yeah, yeah, I already had that. So,
1: oh, but you, you jumped the gun. You, That's you, all right. I got, innovation. I got to pat myself on the back. Cause I'm, you never, you never know if someone's going to spike the football for you. But anyways, <laughs> I asked Dan Campbell, Michael Brockers is gone. You're, you don't have a necessarily veteran amongst that defensive interior defensive line. Is Christian Covington a veteran, that guy? And he said, he basically told me, no, it's Aleem yes. he, he says, <laughs> he says, quote, Mac's a leader for us now because he understands he knows what it's supposed to look like. He was a guy around a guy like Brockers who was in that room. And that's the value of it because I see Mac very much as a leader now. Um, so, yeah, like. And, and then he goes on to say not necessarily the, the, the rah-rah type like you were talking about with some of these guys, more of a lead by example type. And if he takes this yeah. year three jump that I think a lot of people are expecting or want to see, I think you could see his leadership being part of that growth. And that's going to help guys like Broderick or Martin right, or, you know, right next to him. So um, I, I don't think he's there yet in, in terms of like mm-hmm. true captain territory, but I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, it, it's interesting. Like we we didn't even mention Aiden Hutchinson. Um as well, but but I think he's again a guy that's still kind of figuring out the yeah. the, the the chemistry of the team and, and where he wants to be in terms of a rah rah guy or whatever we, maybe we just lead by example guy.
0: We didn't even mention Bugs, who led the players' own the players' only meeting also right? last yep. year. Yeah, and like he's not even like it, it's it's a character trait that this team looks for right? <laughs> to have leadership leadership quality and the fact that they have multiple guys that can step up in different ways is a credit to how this uh this team has been built no question
1: all right we're going to take a break when we come back we are going to dig a little bit more into the training camp side of things talk about some battles talk about some UDFA's and all that when we come back here on the midweek mailbag we'll be right back Welcome back to the midweek mailbag training, pre-training camp edition. And it wouldn't be a pre-training camp podcast without talking about some UDFAs. Everyone loves your rookie undrafted players. And so our next question comes from at Coach Kneecaps asks, give me two UDFAs who have a real chance of making the team. Well, I'll take the easy one. Um And that's
0: that's Starling Thomas. Yeah, Uh, Starling Thomas has got legit sprinter speed. It shows up on tape. It's not just like he's fast. He it actually shows up. Uh, Good confidence. He can play outside. He can. He's got a smaller body, so he can actually actually plays in. Is he has the ability to play in where a lot of people I think projected him during the draft. Uh, Lions have kept him on the outside. He's a really good special teamer. His skill set translates very well. He's, he's, he's physical and um, he looks like if you wanted to create a gunner, he kind of, he kind of fits that mold almost to a T. So for me, I think Starling Thomas is the guy that I've really hitched my wagon to is saying, I think he's headed towards the roster. Uh, I have another one, but I'll let you take your uh, stab at if you have a different guy.
1: Well, yeah, just to to quickly add on on Starling Thomas, like, as, as many changes as they've made to the secondary, I would say outside corner is still very much up for grabs when it comes to the depth positions, right? Like you obviously got Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jerry Jacobs as your top three. But beyond that, it's Will Harris who's probably going to make the roster, but how much do you trust him in, in some of these roles? And then beyond that, it's it's up for grabs, like completely up for grabs, like. Savion Smith is a guy who they like. We know Chase Lucas is a guy that you like, and and they're trying on the outside a little bit more and at the nickel. And then you got Starling Thomas and Steven Gilmore and Jared, like all these kind of UDFA guys that, that are in the mix for that, you know, corner, outside cornerback four or five role. And so, yeah, I think, I think not only is he a good enough player who can bring you the special teams, there's the opportunity there at the outside corner position. Um, opportunity is important. And that's why I'm going to take, I think the other low hanging fruit here, uh, the RB three job wide freaking open for Muhammad yep. Abraham to, to mm-hmm. really have an opportunity to win a roster spot and not only win a roster spot, but like win an offensive role. Like he, you could see him out there in an offensive role this year. I think that's completely realistic. Is he my favorite to win the RB three role right now? No, I think I'm still going to give it to Craig Reynolds. I would actually probably put Jamar Jefferson above of him in terms of just percentage chance, but. And and I was doing a little bit of research on him today. I, I guess I didn't realize that that kid set Minnesota franchise, or you know, school records last year. I'm not even talking about like yeah, yeah, yeah post Achilles. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Like a a season, he he set the season record for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns a year after tearing his Achilles. Like if that doesn't scream a Dan Campbell guy to to you, I don't I don't know what possibly could. And and there you know there are limitations to his game, no doubt, but that's something that's just an incredibly impressive feat and something that I think should just be celebrated on its own. And it shows the perseverance that that guy has. It shows the commitment to football that that guy has, and it shows how talented of a player he is. So I think, I think Ibrahim is probably another kind of layup answer for, you know, the possibility of winning a job. You know, there's, there's a good chance that two UDFAs don't make the roster this year. It's just a sign of the roster getting better. Um, I think, I'll throw another name out there that I think is is on a lot of people's high list. and that's Brandon Joseph, the the safety out of Notre Dame. is he is he would he be your kind of next guy up or is there someone else that maybe people are overlooking? You know, when I was ranking
0: my players for the draft, yeah, I had three players that I had a draftable grade on that the Lions got as UDFA guys. yeah, and it was it was Thomas Ibrahim. And Joseph and yeah. Joseph was was the third one. Um, I, I'm not as confident with his path yeah. um, because they have so many guys that can play safety. Yeah, that's uh, a much harder road than like like Moses because like Mo can just walk right. He, he might be able to just win that that job's up for grabs. For safety, you've got. Starters with Kirby and, and Tracy, and then you've got Gardner Johnson who can play. You've got Branch who can play. Mela is 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 a, is a riser. Then you've got guys like Savion Smith and Brady Breeze who are like spe- excellent special teamers. Right. And then like so, Joseph maybe like eight out of eight on that yeah. on that players capable of playing safety lists. and so he 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 has a tough path can he rise up through it sure he's got some skills he's probably going to go to the practice squad if he doesn't make the roster um but he's the he's the only he's the other guy that i had a draftable grade on that um the lions got in the udfa class
1: all right we'll move on from there uh next question comes from our live twitch audience from robo 1207 says can you guys give me the most likely Lions player to get traded. Also, if possible, position most likely we make a trade for before the season. So a lot of times, think, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of training camp or, or maybe even sometimes at the beginning, you'll see kind of a, a guy like, oh, we were going to cut this guy. You're, you're Trinity Benson's of the world, right? Like you you get. Sure. So I think that's maybe one of the more likely trade for like when you're talking about making trades at this point in the offseason. That's usually what you're talking about. Not not these grandiose ones. Um right. So. So, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the term. In terms of that, rather than maybe like a, um, you know, like a trade deadline trade,
0: I think the guy who's most vulnerable to be traded um, during training camp or near the end of training camp is Julian Akawara. Yeah, um, he is not. He's he has a better history or a longer amount of experiences, and so than James Houston, who is his primary com- uh, competitor for the for that Sam job. But like when you start comparing statistically like how they match up, it's really not close. Like James Houston did way more with way less opportunities. And so Houston has some markers that he's got to hit and some development that he has to go through. But there's no way that they're going to be cutting James Houston because his pass rush is so unique. It's such a he's such a unicorn in that way. Even if you even if. Julian is like a better better guy who can drop, or maybe the coaches rely on him a little bit more. They're still not going to keep Houston. And I don't know if there's room for both. Right, um, And so if Houston's not going anywhere, I don't think Julian's better than Charles Harris or or, or Romeo. Um, maybe one of those guys, maybe you tell me one of those guys are vulnerable, but like, yeah. I really don't think they are the way that those contracts were restructured. Right. And so, when you're staring at seven edge guys, well, eight technically with, with uh the UDFA, right, but with with when you're staring at all those guys, I don't know if they can keep seven. And if they can't, Julian seems like the most likely on the bottom. And for a former third-round pick that has pass rushing upside and athleticism, that's still something that teams covet. And so he he seems to be the guy that's standing out to me.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, Julian's not going to fetch more than the seventh round pick, right? Like,
0: Yes. Conditional or something, Yeah, conditional six,
1: maybe. A a lot of times Um, when, when you're getting these trades, it's just like, we want a shot at him before he, he hits waivers, right? Yeah. You know, he's going to hit waivers. So you're not going to spend five or, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick on him. You're just like, let, let me see. Let's get first priority. Let's get him in the building. Maybe he makes a team. Maybe he doesn't. Um, Right. And looking across the roster, I don't really see many other candidates. Maybe this is me being a little short-sighted. Like, may, maybe they trade Riley Patterson away. I mean, they, <laughs> they could. They trade for him, and then they trade, they him, could they trade, kid, the trade way, him away, yeah. right?
0: The way kickers work, right? Yeah. It's crazy.
1: You, I mean, you have to look at a position. You have to find a really deep position on this roster. And I don't think the Lions are that deep anywhere in particular where you have players at the bottom of, of, of that depth who's going to fetch value somewhere, right? Like as much as we talk about the RB three of battle, like no one is going to trade for Jamar Jefferson. I don't think no one's going to, no one's going to trade even for a, a Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds. They, yeah. Um, and I don't know. Is, is there anywhere else on this roster where you even see kind of that sort of depth? Like, I don't, I don't see where someone's
0: not in a starting role, but yet could fetch something. Yeah. Right. I really don't like maybe like, if he, we,
1: but like, we, there's we not this, enough safety yeah. depth there for me to, to, to think that if he, that they're gonna trade if he so, right
0: and he's and he's been injured and so his resume isn't as you know complete right um well i mean same thing with julian actually but still um we we answered this question we had this question last year mm-hmm. too um and i was wondering if you remembered who the player we identified last year as being potentially tradable i don't I'll give you a hint he was he he got cut Went to the practice squad. They elevated a couple him a couple times, and then he got picked up by another team and was supposed to be a starter for that team this season. Oh, it was, Jared, Dennis, Davis? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Jared Davis? Yeah, it was Jared Davis? because like it's the same kind of thing, right? It's a guy who has like who has taken starter snaps in the past, has this high athletic profile, yeah. but yeah. really was lower on on the depth chart because of X, Y, or Z reasons, and uh, I kind of see. This, a sim, I mean, you get similar type vibes. It's how much is he going to contribute, even if he does make the team, right? Um, And you know, look, he's not an elite special teamer. That's that's a huge thing. And when you're looking at like, hey, I've got a elite special teamer off the ball versus edge seven, like this staff might very well be like, let's take the special teamer as opposed to the guy who might play five snaps for us, Matt, nah, you know what I mean? Yep. You know, so.
1: Well, let's, let's answer the, the second half of the question here. Um, <clears throat> yes. Which is what position the lines might trade for at the end of camp. And it's always tough to predict at this point in the season. Yeah. A lot of times it might be dependent on injury. If the lines get hit mm-hmm. with well, the injury bug yeah. in the next 100%. month, like um, that probably, I mean, I don't know. I, it, to me, there's not necessarily a position. I know probably everyone wants us to just say defensive tackle because everyone has wanted this team to add a, <laughs> add a defensive tackle for the last two years. Um I I would say maybe like maybe an offensive tackle. If 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 they yeah don't like maybe. what they see out of Matt Nelson and Obina and, and Jermaine Ifedi, yeah, may, maybe it's an offensive tackle, but how often how often are teams unloading good offensive tackles? Never? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I
0: really think it's going to be an injury type yeah. decision that, right. that would sway it. Like yeah. it's going to be uh-oh, we weren't anticipating this player getting injured, and now all of a sudden we need a little bit of depth. Right. Um, it's kind of like what happened with defensive tackle last year. Yeah. Uh Brockers fell off, Levi got hurt, and all of a sudden they were desperate and they were like, We need to do, we need to figure something out. And so yeah. we we get bugs, and then a month later we're claiming Benito off, yeah. of, off of waivers, right? And so that would be my guess because they really have the roster balanced right now um, at almost every position where they have a comparable player right. uh, in, in the two deep. So it's, it's a hard, yeah, I don't think that's a question we can like definitively answer right now.
1: Um, speaking of offensive line a little bit, uh, the next question comes from Nate Savage at seven underscore Nate on Twitter says in your recent article for player rankings, Four offensive line depth pieces were in the 70 to 61 range. It isn't often offensive line units stay healthy all year. We'd we'll love to hear a bit more if that is worrisome to you and what they can do better themselves. Um, before I throw it to you, Eric, a little background. We are ranking the, the, the Lions roster from one from really from 91 to one. Um, you can go on the website and, and see the we're revealing it 10 at a time. And yes, our most recent rankings was from 70 to 61. And that featured. Uh, let me see. Logan Stenberg at 70, Coyote Awasika at 68, uh, Oshika, I should say, uh, Ross Piercebacher at 66, and who's the last one? I think there was another one in there that I can't currently find. Would it be uh, Paulo? That's oh, Obinaze at 69. Obina. Um <clears throat> The, the only other thing I want to add is that d- that does not include four depth. We haven't reached our four other depth pieces, which is um, in no particular order. Graham Glasgow, Matt Nelson, Colby Sorosdell, and Jermaine Effetti. Um, but everyone, all the depth pieces beyond that are indeed um, seven or 60 or lower on our list. So is, is that a concern to you? Look, it, it, they're probably keeping nine. Uh, offensive tackles, and
0: they have 18 on their roster, so half of them have to be gone at some point. Yeah, and um, the nine that are that uh haven't been mentioned yet that you just pointed to, those are probably the nine the 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 nine guys that are expected to make it, right? Yeah, at least eight Um, of them, at least eight of those nine, right? And the fact that we're you're we're at like 60, right? Yeah, and we're seven spots away from the actual 53, right. That's not overly surprising. So it's not overly concerning. Um, I expect those nine guys, you know, they're going to probably be in the, you know, they'll be close. They're going to be close enough here where that's kind of what we expected, I guess is what I'm getting sure. at. So um, I think you'll be impressed with where the starters end up. Cause they're going to be, a, they're going to be much higher. But even the reserves, I thought, did uh, okay. Especially the the reserves that are into competition. The only, I guess, maybe there's like three from that group that maybe are are more in a competition for a reserve spot than we than we have maybe alluded to. Zay could could show up and maybe jump a Fetty, uh, Piercebacher, or uh, Osika could you know throw their hat in the ring and try and bump off the a Fetty Azay type of situation, but. Those kind of first eight, they all kind of like look like those are going to be the guys. And that kind of nine spot is, is is a little bit up for grabs. And they go a lot of different ways. And the fact that they have like four or five options for that nine spot, I think is um, that's not concerning to me. It's actually I actually like that they have some options to choose from. But, you know, it there is a gap between the starters and the reserves. though. That's oh, no sure.
1: question. Yeah. And. I think Lions fans are a little gung shy after what happened last year. What happened last year is not normal, sure. Right. Like you're not yeah. typically down to guard six in week three. <laughs> uh, yes. Um. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. And any team that has to get that deep into their depth that early in the season is going to go through some some growing pains. And, and it's also worth pointing out. Lions weathered that storm pretty darn well. Like they were running the ball right. really well early in the season when they were going through that. Pass protection was solid throughout the season. So that that's the good news. I would say most of my concerns when it comes to the offensive line depth start and end with offensive tackle. Yep. And and part of it is because your off your starting offensive tackles are so good. The other half of it is though is that there is not a clear, capable offensive tackle three on the roster. Um, and so it's there not, used to be there like there used Matt to be. Matt Matt Nelson used to be, you sure. know, but now he's the worst tackle in man. So Tyrell Crosby used to be. And then we all <laughs> well, I was, I was gonna say we all know what happened there. I'm not sure we all do know what happened there, but unfortunately it did. Um but yeah, like it's not just the fact that they have such high-end tackles, it's the fact that they don't have a guy that I trust out there right now, backing any of them up. And it, listen, there aren't a lot of teams out there that have Three starting capable offensive tackles, but it's something that you have harped on for years on this podcast. Like that is an important position. OT three is important. It's critical because yeah. the lions have actually gotten somewhat lucky when it comes to that Taylor Decker outside of the finger injury been pretty darn healthy. Oh, uh, you know,
0: Sewell. The crazy, the crazy played? thing is Sewell missed one. Uh, in the last two the crazy in the last two years Sewells missed one but decker that finger injury that was in the first half of 2021 that wasn't right. that long ago yeah, yeah like
1: it feels a lot that time. he okay. missed yeah. it does
0: it so much does yeah um but like it wasn't long it wasn't that long ago that Matt Nelson was starting half the games for this so, offensive line. Um, now, last year he was injured, and he never looked right. And he uh, he took a step back. It looked like um, when he came back from injury, he never found his footing. They were running with other guys, like uh, Awashika was was uh, you know t- eating up some of, of Nelson's snaps, and they were using Dan Skipper for like s- in in six offensive lineman sets, uh, which has historically been Matt Nelson's kind of uh, role, right? right. So. I wonder if Matt Nelson can get his feet back under him this year. Uh, if he can, that'll help alleviate a lot of concerns. Yep. If he can't, then, yeah, offensive tackle is going to be low-key. Uh, you got to keep your eyes on it. Yep.
1: All right. Next question here comes from Special K here on Twitch. It says, what is the biggest question mark out of the line starting 22 players?
0: Well, first of all, I think <laughs> – one of the, it's important to point out that while they technically have like 11 starters on either side of the ball sure they probably have 14 players that c- could start depending on their formation yeah. on both sides of the ball right? right so that's 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 the hard thing with it with this question um is you're kind of looking at 14 guys and saying like
1: where's that biggest right. spot right so the starting 28 then <laughs>
0: But it gets, you know, so, okay. So on offense, I think the biggest question mark. If Vitae, it, it, does this count? Like, can Vitae stay healthy? Like, sure. can, they solid, yeah. can they solidify that right guard spot? Yeah. Because I mean, I think the obvious answer is who replaces JMO for six weeks. But I mean, the, the thing that I'm like most concerned about is can they get that right guard spot right? And, yeah. and they have the bodies. Right. They got better bodies this year than they had last year. No doubt in my mind that Vitae, Glasdow, and Sorsdell are better than Evan Brown, Logan Stenberg, and Dan Skipper. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, but I I want to see how that guard spot plays out. And so yeah. that
1: um, that's I mean, that's my biggest question, Mark. That's that's a fair answer because as good as the offensive line was last year, I very much do believe. Kind of the 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 saying that your offensive line is only as strong as your weakest link, and for a lot, for a lot of the season, man, like go back and watch Logan Stenberg take of him uh, tape of him pass protecting. It was a disaster, uh, and and team got a zero. Yeah, yeah. a zero, a <laughs> zero PFF grade. It wasn't it wasn't like twice. Yeah, he had zero twice something like or that. something. He, or one of them it was like point one or something
0: yeah. ridiculous thing. It was um, real bad. Um, I, I well, would argue. Bench- yeah, he got benched twice as well. Once in the middle of a game, so like it's he's had his shots. I think his time. I think it's about a wrap hey. on him. But go ahead. Um, No, I, I was Sorry. just going to
1: say, like you, you're you, you mentioned, you know who's going to fill in for JMO? I would say JMO himself is probably one of the biggest question marks, and we don't need to, we don't need to harp on it. But uh, you know he he has to have a big second half of the season. I don't think there's any question about that. And so to me, that's. That's another huge question, Mark, on offense. Why don't you kick it over to defense? What's uh what's a big question you have about the starting 14 on defense?
0: I think there's two glaring answers. I'll give you one. I'll see if you can come up with the if if you want to take the other. The sure. One is who starts next to Anzalone Mm -hmm. at linebacker? Is it Jack Campbell? Is it Malcolm? Is it Derek? I think that spots up for grabs with those three guys. We don't know who the starter is. So when you're projecting starters, it doesn't get big. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get bigger than the starter. So for me, question number one is, who is the the starting linebacker next to Anzalone?
1: Yeah. When one of mine was just going to be Jack Campbell, question mark, like how, (laughs) how, how much do we see him justify the 18th overall pick this year and and we don't need like he doesn't have to prove it all this year right it's it's a long career for the guy if if what they say is true this guy is going to be this team's linebacker for the next 10-15 years so he doesn't have to prove it all in year one but to me definitely the biggest for me question on on the defensive quote-unquote starting lineup um trying to think if i can guess yours um is, is it just the cb2 position yeah 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 Who's, who's going to be the second outside corner, whether it's Emmanuel mm-hmm. Mosley or Jerry Jacobs. Uh, I don't I don't have a strong feeling on on where Emmanuel Mosley is in his rehab. If I had to just like kind of educated guess it, I think he starts on PUP. I don't think he's there for long, but I think he probably starts on PUP. But again, this is this is just educated guess territory. And, and part of it is just like seeing the huge brace that was on his leg during OTAs in minicamp and he was still out there doing a lot of stuff, but it, I, I just like seeing that big picture of you. You're just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how ready he's going to be right away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, that's a huge deal. Outside corners, a position that, that needs huge improvement this off season. And I think Jerry Jacobs has a two is, is fine. Um, but I, I, I've said it a couple times, man. Like I, I, I have a very high ceiling for someone like Emmanuel Mosley. So the, the sooner he's out there, the more excited I am.
0: I think you might be right with him starting, but I don't uh, – on the pop. But yeah. it might be like a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, a week max. Like, right. I don't think – because, like, I remember in the spring, he was out there – you know, he was out there during walkthroughs. Yeah. And so <sighs> – it's it's just a, probably a formality,
1: yeah. To I mean, let
0: it, him skip some of the the couple the first couple of days where they're really conditioning and yeah. stuff. Those first, so,
1: that first wave of of uh, NFIs and and pups tend to get people a little mad. But like you could see Tracy on there theoretically, right? Like that wouldn't surprise me sure, to see him sure. there for a day or two. Um, yeah. But it won't. You be can long. see Malcolm, which is crazy, which is kind of weird because Malcolm was hurt in the spring, True. and we never
0: heard. You yeah. know, even though they've said they weren't concerned about him long term, right? right. Um, they, you know, he he was a guy who didn't finish the spring, right, because of an injury. Yeah, and, and there was there was someone else. I know Brad Cecil was the what the UDFA center that was hurt during James, spring. James and there Mitchell was one more. missed a bunch. Of- yeah, but and there were I was I want to say well, like, like um, even
1: even guy like yeah. Vitai and and Frank like they. They could all theoretically be on on, sure. on pup and and the, I know I mentioned it on Monday's podcast, but I I always want to like continue to reiterate because when it happens, people are going to lose their shit. If if they, if Frank yeah. Ragnall was on the pup <laughs> list, people are going to lose their minds. And I'm just tell, I'm trying to remind people sometimes they just do that for guys that are working their way through, and they're not going to last there more than a week. So just relax.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like remember, they don't they because of the way the training camp schedule is. Yeah. they can't put pads on until they've done like five practices. Cause there's right. this, there's, what's called this ramp up period. Yep. Good, and so they, 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 they start out where they can only practice for like 90 minutes. And then the, the, after, I don't, if I think maybe, is it the second practice they can increase it by like 15 like minutes that, yeah. or if it, it might be after so. two Yeah, and then they like, you can, they're allowed to slowly build up. And a lot of times with the injured players is they, 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 They slow roll that acclimation process during the ramp up. And then when you, then they get them in when the pads are coming out and everybody starts moving at full speed. And then they slowly acclimate them through that process. And so, you know, like by the time fans are viewing training camp, a lot of those guys that are on the pup
1: that may start on the pup might already be off by the time fans are actually in Allen park. Good point. All right, we'll go to our last one here from Detroit Fanatic, both on Twitter and on Twitch. Appreciate you uh, being a fan of us in both platforms. Says Hearing a lot of talk about the Lions offense taking a step back this year, at least through the first six weeks. If we assume the improvement on the Lions defense uh, personnel moves moves them to about league average, what would the Lions offense need to do in terms of points per game or ranking in order to still win the North? So an average defense... Wait. So the lines, I mean, that's, that's a move from, you know, bottom third to middle of the pack on defense, which is, you know, pretty darn right. significant. It, it, yes. It would so be very significant. How much, how much slack does that now get the offense to potentially regress in?
0: Well, you know, some of it, I guess it really is about are the, the opponents that you have in that first wave Like, can you afford to score less points against some of them or do you need to be in shootout mode? Like with Kansas City, if your offense isn't clicking, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, In Seattle, maybe the same thing. You you probably got to have the offense going. You can probably beat Atlanta on an off day with offense if your defense is doing well. Um, Same thing with Green Bay. I think the same thing with Carolina, Tampa Bay, like those guys, I think you can get away with some of those, you know, games in weeks, like two through five, you're going to have to be on your point, uh, against Baltimore and, you know, then the the Raiders on Monday night football is week eight. Right. So like if you're just, so if you can get through that first stretch where your defense is like, if your defense is playing average, yeah you're probably limiting teams to like between 21 and 24 points. So now you just got to score 24 to 20, yeah, maybe even less, you know, maybe even like 21 points, let's call average. Right. So can your offense score 24? Can your offense score 25? Like you can do that against like Atlantas and and Carolinas and, and, and Tampa Bay. That's not going to cut it against like KC, though. So Will that be any different though than if what, what our expectations are if they come out guns a blazing? Like, right, that's that's it's it's hard. I don't know if it will really change the division. Like, if their offense isn't as good, do they lose like two more games? And if they lose two more games, does that put them closer to 500? And if they are, they're still in striking distance of the division, probably. Like, right. So I think their offense can go through a phase where it has a hiccup, I guess, even if it's a multi-week hiccup, if the defense is average, because if that happens at the right time, it may not impact it. And if it doesn't, they still probably have a cushion with a game or two. I don't know. It's 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 hard to kind of
1: it's hard to quantify, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: But I I did here's... my best to
0: step all over it, though.
1: <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> This is this is an offense wins games like the, the whole defense wins football thing is dead. It's not true. Just look at the Super Bowl. The Eagles were the number one defense in the league and Kansas City, walked all over them in the Super Bowl like it, you need a good offense. And if this offense slides to anything beyond like top 10. And they have an average offense, an average defense. I don't know if that's a, it's, if that's going to be good enough. It's, it's certainly not going to be good really? enough to win a playoff game. I don't know if it's oh, going to be well. enough to win the division. Because here's the thing. The Packers are going to have an above average defense, in my opinion. I think I think they are. Defensively, or offensively, they still have a couple of good. They have a good offensive line. They have a good running back. They have a pretty good wide receiver. And a bunch of guys that are trying to figure it out. That, that to me is enough. To me, the Packers are just emblematic of a very average team right now. And Mm -hmm. if you are an average defense with a average offense, like then it's going to be a coin flip between you and the Packers winning the division. This needs to be an elite offense. I'm like, I'm sorry if, if, if this team is going to sink or swim this year, if if this team is going to swim instead of sink, I should say they need a top five, top 10 offense. I'm okay with a little bit of aggression. I don't think we should accept anything beyond that as okay, even if the defense sees a big jump, because part of the I mean, that's the thing. Part of the reason that the Lions won towards the end of last year, yes, is the defense got better. But I I think I I, I constantly constantly need to remind people when it comes to like passing EPA, one of the one of the more well-respected stats out there, the Lions were first or second down the stretch, first or second. That's that's why they won football games. They were yeah. phenomenal passing the football, phenomenally efficient. And and listen, like if if they can play the way they did defensively last year, then they're a Super Bowl contender. Like that like full stop. If they can if they if they don't have a lot of regression on offense and they play about average defense, maybe even a little bit above average, which is what they did in that second half of last season, they are a Super Bowl contender. But if they slide back to 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 on offense, I'm not sure we're talking Super Bowl contender. Maybe you're still counting the division because the division is weak, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a slam dunk anymore. I'm looking at
0: the Lions opponents and trying to figure out how many of them scored under the average last year. Which was twenty-one point four. That That's was it? the average. That's the average. Yeah, it was down. Yeah, it was down okay. um, from from previous years. So I'm looking at like okay, so Tampa Bay, Chicago. They play, they play the Saints this year, right? Saints. They play the whole NFC South. Baltimore, Carolina, Giants are in the preseason. And so those are those are the teams on the schedule that scored below the league average. So yeah. Tampa Bay, Chicago twice, New Orleans, Baltimore, Carolina, and then Atlanta's right, almost dead even. Green Bay is a slightly above average at twenty one point eight instead of twenty one point four. Vegas, and then when you get to Vegas, then you start getting up into like the they're at twenty three. Chargers were twenty three. Seattle is almost twenty four. Minnesota was twenty, almost twenty-five. Okay, Detroit so, was twenty-six point so six. What's your, what's your point, Eric? I guess my point is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was intrigued. I was going down the rabbit hole there. Um, my point is, is if we're talking about the defense being average and yeah. holding them to twenty-one points, there's a there about. Half, not quite but but about half the teams, like that's what their average is anyway, so sure. like if you're if your offense regresses a little bit, I still think there are winnable games, is what I'm saying. Sure. if the offense regresses, there's still teams on this schedule that they can still beat if the offense regresses, but it definitely makes the road a lot harder i', I i'm I, I want like here I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't know if they have to be elite. Like I don't know if they have to be top five, yeah. But But I do agree with you that they probably have to be, yeah. Because if you're in the top ten, you're scoring twenty four points, yeah, as opposed to twenty one point four is what I said, right? Right. Yeah. So that that's that's the difference. That's the difference between being honestly, that could be the difference between
1: being seven and ten, and ten and seven. Yeah, like right, yeah, those yeah. like three
0: points, honestly, that's, right? And that's so. why
1: that's why I'm I'm saying what I'm saying. The Lions averaged twenty six point six points per game last year. If they slide two out of the top ten, we're talking Miami Dolphins, Raiders, twenty three points, three points, three and a half points a game. That's that might not sound a, like a lot. That that is absolutely a lot. In 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 a league where everything is is basically a one score game these days, three and a half point you'll. If, if someone offers you three and a half points at halftime, you're taking it every single time. All right.
0: That was a, yeah, that was, it was a good question. I wish I wasn't thinking out loud um, as <laughs> I was going here. I wish I had a more succinct answer because it's, it's a good question. And yeah. I think like, you know, it's something we have to cautiously be prepared for. Right. Right. Sure. Because expecting them to, you know, finish in the top five again the potential is there, but yeah. like things change in the NFL, sure. you know what I mean? All the time. And so like, you can't expect that they're going to be at that level um, just because they have the talent. Right.
1: So. And and that's, yeah. that's important to say too, like offense in general is more stable year to year than defenses. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of reasons to, for, for the lines to expect to have, like, we should have high expectations for the offense. We're not saying that there are a lot of reasons. You should, right? You have Ben Johnson yeah. back. You have an offensive line that is potentially healthier than it's ever been. Um, and 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 it's still very, very good. You have a lot of skill position players. But on the other side, we only have one year of this experiment, right? We only have one year of Ben Johnson being good in this offense. We only have one year of Jared Goff being good in this offense. We we don't have – I mean, you've, you've changed so much of your, your skill position players that, yeah, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, on paper, that looks like a great upgrade that looks like it's going to work out but we still have to actually see it work out yeah great they got um you know sam laporta they got a new a new tight end who who we think might hit the ground running yeah jameson williams is waiting in the wing we need to see those guys play out before we say oh they upgraded this they upgraded that so it i think there's a reason why we keep see, seeing especially nationally like is this offense going to regress and and i know old lions fans natural tendency is to be like no we're fine nothing's changed they've done like everything is great well, theoretically on paper, you're correct, but the, but but as you said, the NFL throws curve balls all the time, injuries happen. you know people get figured out you, you always have to stay one step ahead in this league, and there's no guarantee that the lines are going to do that this year. So there's a lot of questions I think I think it's okay to remain highly optimistic about this offense, and I am, but I'm also not going to sit here and guarantee and, and say there's no chance this is not a top. 10 offense next year. It, it, it could be. It could not be. You
0: know, you know who else thinks this offense is going to get better? Who's that? Brad Holmes. It's true. Said as much on the uh, podcast with Schrager. That's he thinks right. The offense is uh suited up to do better. So we'll see, you know, the, the 27 they, they, plus points a game. Here we come.
1: <laughs> they didn't exactly leave OTAs in minicamp on, on a great note. So maybe, maybe the offense breaks out here. As we get underway with training camp, but
0: like, okay, but this is, but this is,
1: Eric. I'm trying to close the show. I'm not, oh, trying, to, I'm I'm not trying to be combative. Here.
0: <laughs> I just, you know, it's it's gonna. It, let's hat tip to the defense on that. that sure. That's that's oh, yes. that's all I'm saying. Because right. the defense has gotten better.
1: You know, and getting closer to average. You know, maybe great. maybe this is a good reminder before we get into training camp that every time one unit performs well, that doesn't necessarily well, mean that the other other unit is is crap
0: that's literally what i was going to say but <laughs> yeah. then i didn't want to extend the show
1: and just keep saying nonsense so <laughs> all right all right all right i i mistakenly made the show even longer by trying to cut him oh off at of the pass there you know what
0: else i was gonna say
1: no shut up uh <laughs> that'll do it for the midweek (laughs) mailbag as always join us live on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit and we go overtime answering more of your questions live during our breaks during after the show all that sort of stuff but until next time i'm jeremy that's eric training camp is coming you're going to hear a lot from us in the next couple weeks here but until then take care of each other it's chaos be kind